and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle Caldwell and today we're talking market research. Well listeners, welcome back in. Thanks for joining us. You'll notice that once again I'm here on my own but Chambers will be back. She's settled into Cairns and she's had her first week there and been really busy doing things like launching pontoons and I think in fact it was the first pontoon that's been launched on the reef for the last 10 years. So big projects over there to get her teeth into in her first week on the job and we've let her have a little bit of a break this week but we will get her back next week. Now I don't know about you guys but I'm super excited this week because obviously on Monday we heard that the self-isolation requirements would be dropped for returning Kiwis and it's very likely the dates for reopening to the rest of the world will be brought forward. So, oh, whew, what an emotional time it was listening to all of that. And I know that I, like others that I saw of you out there, had to listen a little bit longer or even rewind and listen again to actually check that it was real. And it wasn't just another announcement of an announcement. Now, that's being a bit cheeky, but obviously we have had a very, very long two years in isolation from the rest of the world. And we know this isn't an instant fix for our industry and it will take a long time to recover. However, at least now we have some certainty without unnecessary roadblocks in the way to start rebuilding. And let's not forget, most of our inbound operators have not collected a cent in revenue for two years now. So this is a very real light at the end of a very long tunnel we've been in and so can only be classed as good news in my books. And of course, we can't go by without thanking all of the industry organisations, the individuals and everybody who was involved in lobbying the government and working together to ensure that this announcement came in time for airlines to announce that availability for us in time for the summer. So cheers to you guys out there who've been working so hard on it. It has been a real demonstration of how industry can work together to achieve real outcomes. So thank you for that. So over the next few weeks, we're going to try and bring you some more insights into the international markets to see what you can expect as airlines start to announce new schedules and capacity into New Zealand for the summer. So keep listening in for that. Now, one final little plug to put in there before we get on with the interview with Christine is... I have joined forces with Dr. Arthur Chin, who you may remember from our Tourism Awards specials, to deliver two free online workshops this week for you. So this is all about how to curate an online experience. Now, online experiences are the next big thing in marketing using everyday technology. They're innovative, efficient, low cost and quick to implement. And they help businesses maintain connections with existing customers and reach new demographics worldwide through everyday technology. So Destinate NZ has joined with Curation to deliver these free one hour workshops online. There is one today, Wednesday, the 2nd of March at 12.30 and there's one tomorrow, 
Thursday, the 3rd of March at 4.30 p.m. So if you're interested in this, it's completely obligation free. It is something that we're doing just to give back to the industry. And even though there has been the announcement of borders reopening, I still think there's a real opportunity here for you to create a new revenue stream in your business by developing an online experience. And not only is it a new revenue stream, but you're introducing yourself to a completely new global audience. Now, these are people that may not ever make it to New Zealand, but want to have that experience of being here, or they may be looking at planning a trip to New Zealand and getting a bit of a taste of what they can do when they arrive. So great opportunities here. Arthur is one of Airbnb's top online experiences hosts. He has welcomed eight and a half thousand international guests into his online experience since July 2020. So yes, listeners there are opportunities there so if you want to get involved in that that is today or tomorrow you can go to the website destinatenz.com click on the book online button at the top of the page and you can choose which workshop you want to enter so numbers are strictly limited there are a few spaces left in each of the workshops so jump online now and book your space Today, though, we are joined by Christine Angus from Angus and Associates to talk about market research. And I am super excited to bring you this episode as Christine has just been so generous with her tips, insights and knowledge of the tourism landscape. And I'm sure that you'll all walk away learning something new or with an idea for your business after listening in. But first, we did want to acknowledge the very sad passing of Yaron Jungians from Dive to Dakaka last week. Yaron was not only a guest and friend of the Destinate NZ show, he was a leader, a conservationist, an advocate and true icon in our industry and will be missed not just in Northland. So we send all of our love to Kate and the Dive to Dakaka team as they farewell Yaron. Now, listeners, don't forget to leave us a review after you've listened into this episode. You can donate to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Destinate NZ or just drop us a line to let us know your thoughts. And we will keep bringing you this great content for as long as we can. Now, enjoy the show and we'll see you next week. Ka kite. There are many reasons that market research is important for all businesses, such as lowering business risks, understanding your customers better, simplifying decision-making, testing a new product offering, and outselling your customers, to name but a few. We're joined today by Christine Angus from Angus & Associates, who are New Zealand's leading provider of independent research, market intelligence, and strategic business planning services for the tourism and leisure industry, and a partner to key public and private organisations in other sectors. Kia ora, Christine, and welcome to the show. Kia ora, Michelle. Thank you very much. Really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat this morning. Yeah, and I'm really excited because I love market research. I'm a bit of a research nerd and have been involved in a lot of research projects over my years in tourism. But can you kick off by telling us a little bit about Angus and Associates and how you got into working in the tourism space? Sure, goodness me, that's um. So, so we're actually celebrating our twentieth anniversary this yes, month. Yes, congratulations! 
February 20, 2002 was when mm-hmm. we officially started. And so I started the business after coming from, well, actually I had quite a diverse background coming out of banking and finance, I worked for Walt Disney in Europe for a while, telecommunications. So I, at that point, I was actually relatively new into the tourism industry. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think I fell into it, which... <laughs> is possibly the way a lot of people arrive in tourism. Um, So I left my last corporate job and actually at the time, Miss Coughlin, who I had actually worked with when she was at Saatchi's and I was at Telecom, she was the Chief Executive of Tourism Industry Association or what is Mm -hmm. now Tourism Industry and she asked me to come and do a little bit of work with her on a tourism strategy. So it was very accidental, but actually having fallen into tourism, I very quickly decided that it was my first love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And here I've been ever since. And so starting in 2002, have built the business since then with a, a kind of a very strong focus on support, enabling the tourism industry here in New Zealand, particularly, but also elsewhere. Mm. So yeah, so it was a case of falling into it, but then having, you know, it's kind of like finding your true love. And yeah. Then, um, yeah, and then we've worked pretty much more or less exclusively in the tourism industry since then. Yeah, that's a pretty familiar story. I think, as you say, a lot of us do fall into it, and there's a very mm. addictive industry because it's such a people industry, and we have so much fun. So, yeah, that's yeah. not a, a dissimilar story to a lot of others. Yeah. Now, your business has won two tourism awards under the industry enabler category. Can you outline how you work with tourism businesses and some of the successes that you've had? Sure. Gosh, uh, uh, just thinking about this, we, we've actually, in preparation for our 20th anniversary celebrations, we've been doing a little bit of backcasting and looking at the work that we've done in that 20 years. Um, yep. And we, we did a quick count and we've worked on more than 300 individual assignments in that time wow. for organisations ranging from central government to local government, but a lot of work with private sector organisations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also right across the industry from transport, aviation, activities, accommodation, events, you know, pretty much all parts of the sector. We, we're really fortunate in some respects in that we have had very long-standing client relationships. So I think our oldest client goes back the full 20 years that we've been in operation. And we've got many client relationships of a decade or more. And mm-hmm. I think that... So what we try and do is to uh, work as a work as a partner really and build that relationship over time in a way that you know every subsequent piece of work we do with that organisation we're able to add more value. So we're building a really good understanding of their business of their set because I guess we work quite extensively across the sector. When say Michelle, if we were working with you as a as a client. Yeah. We're not only bringing that understanding of your organisation, but everything else that we mm. know about the sector. So having that kind of helicopter view is, you know, is a huge benefit. We are looking at the trends in terms of what's happening in the market. We're looking at new product developments, what's happening in the destination management space, sustainability, good practice that we can bring 
from one part of the sector to another. So, yeah, so I, I guess we tend not to necessarily just look at things in a very narrow sense, but bring that kind of wider industry knowledge to every piece of work that we do. So typically, I I suppose, any engagement or assignment that we do would start with some kind of brief. And we normally, we encourage an organisation to be really specific about what they're wanting to achieve as a consequence of that. You know, so working to a set of objectives. So if you tell us that it's all about growing your market share or it's about getting more value from an existing market segment, then that's the direction around which we will build whatever the work that we're doing is. So it's very much objective-driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's typically the, the worst scenario for us would be to produce some kind of report that sat on a shelf and was of no practical value. Yeah. So it's very much it's about helping you to do your business better, whatever that might be. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. And that leads quite nicely into my next question. When is it important for businesses to consider using market research as a tool? All the time. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I'm, yeah. I'm really, I'm really serious about that because yep. I think, you know, I, I when I first came into tourism, and I guess this was one of the reasons that I stayed working in tourism, is that I was, I was a little shocked by how little market research mm-hmm. was used in the industry, and actually, just the information that was available to businesses was pretty. Thin, you know, coming from other industry sectors, you come and you go, How can the, all of these organizations be effectively flying blind? Because if you don't understand your market, if you don't understand how you're performing in the context of that market, it's like, How can you make good decisions? Mm. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> um, how can you decide between this investment and this investment? Or how can you decide whether you should enter this market? Or so. I actually, I think market research is not, it's not something that you do from time to time. It's kind of like a way of life is probably how I would describe it. Um, And it doesn't necessarily involve a lot of money. You know, it's an investment, I think, of time. So take the time to do your own market research. And part of that is looking at the data. And there is data that's freely available. Mm. looking at your own data and making comparisons. So how are you tracking compared with your region or your sector or you know, the market as a whole? So it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a case of really understanding the environment in which you're operating, understanding your customers and looking ahead in terms of mm. what are the trends that you need to be mindful, you know, what are some of the new products that are, being developed elsewhere it's just it's being very aware of of the environment so market research is basically as I say it's a a way of life (laughs) I just and I think it's just in the way that you hopefully as a as an organization have a kind of constant oversight in terms of your financial metrics you should have a constant oversight in terms of your market so yeah I don't like to kind of think of it as something that you do from time to time yeah yeah 
yeah, definitely. So what are the various ways that you conduct research on behalf of your clients? Okay, sometimes that is um, what we call secondary research, which is effectively looking at all of the data and research that might be available either in New Zealand or elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of interpreting that for a client. Um, Sometimes it can be qualitative research. So that's in-depth interviews. It's focus groups, online qualitative research. So, you know, that's particularly during COVID has been almost... (laughs) necessity then there's you know various forms of survey research which is typically larger scale sample based research and we use a combination of well we do a lot of online work and that's surveying people through pan we have a panel partner that we work with okay yep that through which we can reach out to to different groups in the community we also work with our customers' own customer databases. Yeah, or some, actually we do a bit of, still do a bit of telephone-based interviewing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Increasingly, that's, yeah, well, it's much less frequent than it used to be. Yeah. Um, We do a lot of in-field research. So we Mm -hmm. have a team of people who reach out to visitors in different regions or to people in communities around New Zealand and that's like often that's just stopping someone on a street <laughs> and saying <laughs> and uh, yeah some people were surprised at how willing people are to talk when they're stopped yeah. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the beauties of working in tourism research though is people always want to talk about travel and tourism yeah. Not like you're asking them to talk about insurance or politicians. Politicians. (laughs) Although they probably talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, so look, it's it's a combination of methods and it really depends upon who we're trying to engage with, what the subject matter is, how long it will take to, to get the information that we need. Yeah, so... I guess through the COVID period, there's been much less face to face research. But it is still happening. We have people at the moment doing work in Queenstown, Wanaka, Central Otago, mm-hmm. who are reaching out to people. We're, we're using QR codes in this instance, ask, asking yep. people to scan a QR code, which will take okay. a survey link and to respond in that way because they don't want to handle our iPads or it's people are yep. very, it's obviously hygiene at the moment. Yes, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Have you, I mean, tourism's obviously been really affected by COVID, but have you had an uptick in demand from companies looking for a little bit more insight and research into the domestic market? Yeah, Yeah. very, very definitely. And I think, you know, we've been incredibly fortunate in some respects to be in a part of the sector that has probably, our demand has been higher than usual Mm -hmm. And we're really conscious that um, we're probably an outlier or, you know, organisations like ours might be outliers. So, yes, yes. And I guess when times are good, it's easy to just kind of give stuff a go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and when there's always another customer, I think people are maybe a little bit less concerned about making sure that every customer has an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't mean that in a critical sense at all, but yep. it's just, it's easy to believe that 
there's always another customer. Whereas in yep. our current environment, you have to make sure that the experience that you're delivering is just, yeah, absolutely as, as good as it can be. And you, you have to make the most of every opportunity. So mm. having good market insight, having a good view on how you're performing as a business is, is just like never more important than yeah. the current environment. But look, I mean, at the same time, we are very conscious that it's also the time at which people are most challenged in terms of time with all of the challenges, particularly around workforce at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So owners actually working in their business, not on their business. And so there's that challenge. And, and clearly it's very challenging in terms of just funding uh, work at the moment. Mm. So, yeah, so it's it, that's a real tension. And I guess we, we've tried to be as kind of flexible as we can to make Yeah, that's awesome. And out of that research, have there been any trends or findings that have Mm. surprised you about the domestic market? Um, Yeah, listen, I I think one, it's, it's really interesting because I know that everyone, well, many people have the perspective that the domestic market is kind of cheap. Mm -hmm. We don't have to pay. And I don't and and also that we have this perspective that you don't get good value for money in New Zealand yeah it's just not true I mean Mm. people do actually value the experiences that they have the domestic tourism experiences that they have the questions of value are really around are we giving or are we offering the right product for the domestic market because it is a case that what we were able to offer for the international market is does not necessarily fit the domestic market's expectations but mm-hmm. you know if you find the right mix if you offer that right that right product people are prepared to pay Mm. so it's actually not a question of domestic visitors won't pay it's actually making sure that we're offering the right product for the domestic market so yeah yeah, so I I think through through our research we've found that that kind of view that the domestic market doesn't think it gets value for money is just wrong Mm. because people do and and they value the kind of experiences that they've had over the last couple of years I think what's really interesting is um, and challenging I guess it over the last few months has been we definitely didn't see as many people traveling over this most recent summer as previously mm. so I think there's a bit of weariness that has set in yeah. um, but a, a positive that we're finding coming through in the tracking that we're doing is that once the borders reopen, I think people still are going to, there will be people who want to jump on the first plane out of here. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, people want to travel close to home. You know, mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of <clears throat> confidence has eroded. Yes, uh, yeah. And people just feel safer. And I guess what that means is many domestic New Zealand residents will actually travel, but probably only as far as Australia. Mm-hmm. maybe the Pacific, we know that there's really strong travel intent out of the Australian market into New Zealand. So I right. think, yep. you know, people should feel really confident about how that will play out mm. once we would reopen. So I would be reasonably optimistic about how things will look once the border starts to reopen. Mm. Because we're 
a lot of pent up demand out of Australia to come to New Zealand. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I know yeah. even talking to the ski wholesalers in Australia, they're chomping at the no. bit. And obviously yeah. the self-isolation rules don't help that. But as no. soon as we get some movement on that, they've got bookings ready to yeah. go. And I just hope for the sake of the ski industry that that can happen mm. this winter because they've had a couple yeah. of pretty tough years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as everybody else has, but it's it's nice yeah. to have a winter. They're the businesses that that really drive that winter demand for New Zealand. Totally. So yeah. 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 And look, I think in the meantime, with the domestic market, it's very much about giving people reasons to travel. The domestic market, by its very nature, people don't travel to the same extent just to kind of see things. They yep. travel to do, like, it's very purpose-driven. Yes. So, you know, yep. whether it's visiting friends and family or riding a cycle trail, and that's been a massive driver over mm-hmm. the last last couple of years or to attend an event it's it's people need reasons to travel and often sort of time-bound reasons so the more that you can create a kind of special window of opportunity and Mm -hmm. build around that a call to action the better that is in terms of targeting the domestic audience so yeah so in this period between now and when realistically our borders are really open for the domestic market it's about thinking how can I create that sort of call to action and it does need to be to do something and it needs to be ideally to do something at a specific time because that's what will motivate domestic travellers. Awesome so What do you say to the people who think that research might be expensive or out of reach? I mean, obviously listening to you, I think it's it's almost obvious that they should be calling you, but there will be some businesses who are sitting there thinking it it is too expensive for our business. What options are there for them? Well, look, I, I mean, first and foremost, I'd say actually there's a lot that you can do with no expense. As I said before, an investment of your time rather than having to, to put out money. So there's a lot that you can do from that perspective. There's also, I mean, I can't speak necessarily to other organisations, but we have some programmes that are ongoing which people can buy into. So it's kind of a, like work a shared cost model. And I think that's one of the things about tourism is it's like there's a lot of smaller organisations, none of which individually could necessarily mount a big survey. Um, mm. But actually, so we've built some platforms. We've got our Visitor Insights program and our Views on Tourism program, which talks to the community, which are ongoing. And there is an option to kind of buy into those at a, as I say, at a at a kind of accessible price because the cost is being shared by a lot of organisations. So there's that. We also. I guess the the whole customer experience piece, customer insight and customer experience piece, there is a lot that you can do directly. You can ask your customers what what they think. I ask them what they'd like to see you do differently. That's all good. Although you have to be a little bit mindful of the fact that people who have criticism to share, it's not kind of in the New Zealand psyche to give you the the hard story, especially if they've just had a kind of close interaction with you. So you Mm -hmm. just have to be 
mindful that you might not get the whole story. We have a, I don't know if you've come across our Get Smart platform, mm, yeah, which yep. yeah, is used quite widely in the tourism sector now to gather insights and feedback on customer experience. Mm-hmm. And that works on, again, on a sort of shared cost model and with a number of organisations as part of that program. And because there are many organisations as part of that program, when you get your own insights, you also can see how you're benchmarking with all the other operators that are using that. That can be helpful in terms of marketing insights. You see that you're underrepresented in a particular channel Mm -hmm. compared to somebody else in the sector and you go, oh, maybe that's something I need to examine. Or you can see, for example, if you're a, if you're say an activity operator, that perceptions of value for money are higher for you than for others. In which case, you go, hmm, maybe I could actually sneak my prices up a bit. Not sneak, but I could put mm. my prices up a bit because yep. you know. So it's just it gives you that context so that you've got a little bit more than you get just by going alone so yeah so that that's the get smart platform and then there are free tools everybody knows about survey monkey <laughs> um, i just would be a little bit careful yeah it's it's like would you do your would you be your own lawyer or your own accountant yeah. do your own plumbing you just have to be a little bit careful about uh, make sure you're asking the right questions uh, yeah you know, because if you're not asking the right questions in the right way, the information you're gathering can be misleading. So if you are using those DIY tools, maybe just take a little bit of advice on the questions that you're asking. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So I guess that is the risk of doing our own research and not engaging someone like yourself. But I guess there's you've mentioned a few tips there in terms of looking how you're answering the questions and what you're asking for. But I think there's also something in how to interpret those answers as well, because sometimes we probably do all believe a little bit of our own spin at times. Yeah, and that yeah. you need like having a someone like yourself take a a very impartial look at that data Mm -hmm. can give you much clearer and better results than you saying, well, actually I could twist that to mean this and not end up with the the best results, which may hurt your business financially as well. And yeah. Yeah. Look, I think actually that's a really fair point. And I, I guess we could all say that it's easy to, you know, lose a bit of objectivity in in our own business. Um, So it's always helpful to have a fresh set of eyes and a bit of objectivity and independence, someone who can just kind of go, "Mm, maybe think about that a little bit differently or, yeah, that's not how I would interpret that. So, yeah, so I think there's the design, definitely at the design stage, but at the interpretation stage as well. And look, I I guess just I, I found it quite interesting we we recently released I don't know if you saw it Michelle some information on New Zealanders attitudes towards opening yes that's one of my questions Yeah, so we, we've been tracking perspectives on reopening the borders since the beginning of last year. And yeah. so we released last month, the end of January, and that was after Omicron had sort of started to emerge in the community. And mm. we released uh, some 
information that said actually more than half, 61% of New Zealanders still supported reopening the borders now. Okay, and we weren't surprised. We've been tracking sentiment in Australia as well, and we've tended to kind of slightly follow what's happening in Australia, given that they were further, or that their peak occurred a little earlier. So that didn't surprise us, and we have absolute confidence in terms of the methodology and the independence of that data. But I got an incredibly abusive email from some Twitter troll who said, (laughs) basically, pulled something off our website saying that we were here to enable the tourism sector and we were just being totally irresponsible in releasing this information which was clearly not objective and look I mean I didn't reply but had I replied I would have said we wouldn't be doing our job we wouldn't be actually able to support the tourism sector if we were biased and anything less than objective in the way in which we went about our, our work so yeah, so I think, yeah, Twitter, Twitter trolls are Twitter trolls, but yes. um, yeah. <laughs> it's but a fun I, place, but it can be a, yeah. a dreadfully negative yeah. place as well. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> but I, I think the point is, you know, that independence is absolutely paramount from our perspective because it's only then that we're able to actually give you the best advice. So, yeah. When are the next results due out from that program? Uh-huh. Um, next week. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting just to see that change in a month because obviously with Omicron yeah. having really taken off now over that last month, mm. that how that changes. Yeah. And I would assume, well, I would assume that that number's gone higher than 61%, but it'll be interesting to see. Interesting that you say that. Mm. You could be rubbed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep an eye um, on your website. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had a sneak peek at where it's, it's tracking. But actually, I was going to say, if anyone is interested in receiving those, um, so we do releases. So at the moment, we're monitoring sentiment around reopening of the borders. We're also uh, monitoring travel intentions, as I mentioned, New Zealand, uh, within the New Zealand market, also within the Australian market. If anyone's interested in receiving those releases, we're more than happy to put them on our distribution list. So yeah, so just fire us an email just through our website, get in touch and add your details and then you'll be first to know. Excellent. And I'll put that into the episode notes as well. So anybody that's listening in and they may be in their cars, they can just jump to the episode notes and click on your website and find that info. So that's really cool. Now, Christine, I don't know if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, but a final thing that we do with our guests is our quick fire round. So I'm just going to fire some questions at you. (laughs) And it's literally just the first thing that comes off your tongue. So it's nothing too tricky and not yet. Not too hard, hopefully. So let's kick off. North Island or South Island? Oh, tough. Oh, I can't <laughs> answer that one. Um, <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're located at the tip, north, southern tip of the North Island. So, I mean, I just, I can't answer that. I'm, I'm island agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. What's your favourite colour? Green. Mountains or ocean? Ocean, definitely. I live by the sea. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sauvignon Blanc or Pinot Gris? 
Oh, no, um, Central Otago Pinot Noir. Can I oh, change Oh, okay, that? yes, That's you can, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Central Otago, I have to say, Central Otago Pinot Noir. A little bit yeah. of it. Oh, Dylan will be happy with that plug. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite New Zealand holiday destination? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, again, that's such a tough one. It's just we've got such riches from north to <laughs> south. Oh, my goodness. I've been trying to get to Waiheke Island for the last two years. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't managed it. Gosh, I, I don't know. Uh, Central Otago, Queenstown Lakes, yep. Southland. Dunedin's an awesome city. Oh, my goodness. Okay, where's the first place you'll visit offshore when the borders open? Japan. Mm, good choice. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Japan, definitely. Nice. And what's your one wish for 2022? Oh, that the turbulence will pass. Mm-hmm. And we can all get back to, you know, doing what we love, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually someone, um, who was it, said the other day, I was Fergus Brown, actually. He was interviewed on Television One News and he said, we want to stop taking government handouts and actually start doing business. And, mm. yeah, so look, I think it's turbulence passed. Let's get back to doing what we love. And which um, we do so well. Yeah, perfect. I think a lot of people will agree with you on that one. Mm. Well, look, that's the end of our chat. And thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed catching up and obviously hearing what you've been doing in the research space. And you've given us some really great insights. And I'm sure our listeners will love um, hearing this episode and, and what you've got to say. And as I mentioned, we're going to put your details in or the website into the episode notes so they can join your mailing list and get those insights directly from you but thanks christine and congratulations again on 20 years in business thank you thanks michelle it's been a pleasure okay